0: Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to Bugle Sub episode 4159A for Aardvark. Ardvark, of course, the animal famously named after a court case brought back in more biblically times when a Dutch species technician called Peter van Aard launched a court case against Noah for excluding his new mammal, then entitled the Snoutabout, from the list of animals invited to take up residence on his famous ark. The Snoutabout had been excluded because it was a hybrid bred as a prototype carpet cleaner by Van Aard and therefore not categorised as one of God's creatures. Van Ard won the court case, the Snoutabout survived, and the Judasnidge instead was cast overboard. The what you ask, well, exactly. The uh, Snoutabout then became known after the court case, Ard V Ark, now having defended the claim as a business rather than an individual for tax purposes. Van Ard himself sadly drowned in the ensuing flood before perfecting his new pigeon horse, the ultimate racing machine. I digress. If indeed you can indeed digress, without having even begun a journey. I am Andy Altman and there is no regular bugle this week because I am in a biosecure hotel in Hampshire watching my own private international cricket match. Uh, basically, do tune in to BBC radio coverage uh, on the radio or indeed online around the world if you want to hear me actually saying some facts, albeit facts about sport, which is essentially, of course, fiction. But that is as far as I'm prepared to compromise in my personal battle against reality. Instead, we have for you this week a bumper crop of bonus Bugle material from recent weeks, starting with, from last week, New Zealand news. New Zealand property market news now, and um, a a replica Wild West town is for sale in New Zealand. Uh, It's a meticulous reproduction of an 1860s Wyoming frontier town, apparently, but was only built in 2006 and i guess the challenge is you know the question you've got to ask if you're thinking about buying this property is exactly how much do you want to escape from reality this is a pretend town from 160 years ago in new zealand which is to all practical purposes a pretend country I mean, that, that really <laughs> it. you cannot get much further away from reality <laughs> th- than that um, uh, james is there, is there much interest in this uh, in this property
1: well it's proof quite controversial because there's actually legislation in place about uh, being able to buy property uh, if you're overseas, uh, if you're an overseas investor. However, that doesn't cover fake cowboy towns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why did they not think of that? <laughs> I mean, we I feel we should actually use this as an opportunity in New Zealand. Uh, we need all the money we can get. So if we can just get someone rich enough to buy this thing and move in and then hook them up with Taika Waititi. That's a film franchise <laughs> ready to go.
2: It's got just, how many properties has it got, 12 or 14? So you can, have, uh, you can get syphilis and in, eat tin peaches just like in Deadwood. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's right in the middle of nowhere. That's the weird thing because we also have towns in New Zealand which are right in the middle of nowhere. I, like, I don't think New Zealanders actually knew there was a fake cowboy town before the story broke. I think they were just driving past it going, oh, I wonder which... Yeah, I think I've, I think I've stayed there before, actually. Yeah, they do good scones, yeah.
2: It probably just looks hipster, because that's everything... Yeah. Everything hipster is just kind of like retro nostalgia, right? So uh, it just people driving past going, oh, look at that hipster place. That seems a bit wank. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> It's probably a craft be beer brewery how,
2: how much is it for, for sale for i think
0: it's uh, eleven uh, eleven and a half million uh dollars I don't know if that's u s or uh, or new zealand uh dollars. It's,
1: it's, i think it, i think it's New Zealand which is about two hundred and sixty six thousand five hundred u s um but I mean I guess why, you know, why would you
0: buy someone like this in New Zealand, not in in Wyoming? What are the attractions, apart from the the lack of coronavirus, the lack of institutionalized national self-destruction uh, and and the addition of rugby and cricket? I guess the one real selling point is the almost total lack of indigenous mammals, which must be a real attraction to people who absolutely hate the concept of indigenous mammals living in a place to uh, you know buy somewhere in New Zealand and you know you've just got a couple of bats to deal with.
1: I mean, that's the nice thing about the New Zealand desert nothing kills you you get annoyed (laughs) you you will be irritated
0: (laughs) now obviously one thing no one in britain or covidius albion as i believe it is now known could have foreseen before the government attempted to launch its track and trace system months after other countries had already done so was that one of the key aspects of such track and trace systems was that they actually need to work The uh, government's much trumpeted track and trace system, um, destined not so long ago to be world-beating in their own words, has been tossed into the wheelie bin of history alongside other things such as uh, credibility. Uh, hope and dignity um, by the government it's announced that they will instead be writing and sending letters to all people diagnosed with covid asking them to then themselves write a postcard to everyone they think they might have met in the past six months and to parade (laughs) up and down all the streets within a two mile radius of their house every day wearing a special cape ringing a bell and proclaiming themselves unclean so they are very (laughs) much still on top of this still on top of it well they've never really hidden their desire for us to be dead (laughs) So it seems consistent. Yes, I guess so. That's all you're looking for, isn't it?
2: So what's happened is the UK government has decided that it's not going to use its own app and is instead going to use the uh, face, uh, the Apple and Google model COVID trackers, which I think is nice. It's nice to see the government coming to terms with reality on any vector at all. On the other hand, handing even more power into the hands of faux independent, minimally regulated, ultra-wealthy, non-government monopolies on the infrastructure of information seems a little bit like handing your tiny little exotic dance alien into the slimy little paws of Jabba the Hutt and making him <laughs> pinky swear not to drop her into the nearest monster hole when his haemorrhoids flare up. <laughs> but like I said earlier, most governments, not digital natives, do you trust them to
0: build an app competently? No. <laughs> or will it be just and, the kind that keeps crashing constantly before you can even get into it? Yes, I and mean, this is very much a government that is trying to take Britain back to a, a pre-digital <laughs> age. I think, I think the current target <laughs> year is 1854. <laughs> also, since their plan is for everyone to get COVID... Who needs an app to track that? Exactly. All you <laughs> need is a British passport. That, that's that's what we, that that will do.
2: Maybe they'll put it in the water. <laughs> like,
0: like fluoride. Like the
2: fluoride. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> well, get it? Yeah. I mean, it's. I, I mean, you might mock that now, but you know, when everyone else has still got COVID in a hundred years' time, and Britain is ruling the world once again, it's basically smallpox all over again, isn't it? You can't unlearn those skills. Many people have criticised the British government, but to be fair to them, they have done their best to help this nation get better at cryptic crosswords. Or at least they have allowed us to hone our skills at trying to work out the hidden message in ostensibly unintelligible nonsense, such as any piece of government guidance issued in the last few months. Um, quick update on the latest government uh, guidance on uh, COVID here. Um, uh, interesting fact that apparently the Department for Education updated its guidance to schools ahead of reopening 41 times in a week. <laughs> um, which suggests that they're not entirely on, on top of things. The latest government guidelines on uh, when you're allowed to meet people. Uh, two people from one household can meet one person from two other households or an average of half a person from four households for a period of time <laughs> defined as x squared over the square root of 3y over z minutes where x is a coefficient of how fond they actually are of the other people in the proposed meeting on an inverse exponential sliding scale. Y is the distance they need to travel and z is a numerical value correlating to the extent of panic befuddlement in the of Health Secretary Matt Hancock. However, no meeting can take place if any of the parties are currently subject to freshly inked tattoos, hangovers, symptoms of excessive apricot consumption, an earworm of the 1980s novelty single Agadoo by Black Lace and or sympathetic feelings towards global protest movements. The participants must breathe in for three seconds each in a strict rotation with a buffer of 1.5 seconds between breaths and out for five seconds whilst facing diametrically away from the person and or persons oppositionally triangulated to them in the social triangle. All participants and participantresses – why do they need to bring gender into it – must hum in Morse code rather than speak to minimise the transition of the virus as well as the transmission of ideas, hope and love. Cuddles are allowed, but only of scale model sculptures of the other ease or holograms there whom of. Any grass stood, sat or slouched upon by the metre uppers must be instantaneously grazed back to a safe length by a licensed goat in full military-level PPE, and rules can only, underlined, be ignored if you are in a position of governmental responsibility. So, uh, we are all clear now on exactly... <laughs> What are we allowed to do, and with whom?
1: The, the US has issued some
2: new guidance, which is basically, you're going to die, just get on with it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> At least it's clear, though. At least yeah. you know where you stand. It's the confusion we have, we have to deal with. Was it an anagram? No one knows. Australia news now.
2: So just checking, that's America failed state, UK failed state... <laughs> Australia touch and go, I'd say. At this point.
0: <laughs> well, the big thing that happened in Australia, see, was uh, Scott Morrison was <laughs> told to move off someone's lawn, wasn't it? <laughs> he was, did you see that? He was standing on, he was doing some like, uh, press conference, standing, and a guy came out of his house and said, Can you cut off my lawn? I've just reseeded it. <laughs> <laughs> We've all got problems, Tom. That's all I'm saying. All our countries have problems at the moment.
2: Well, the big news in Australia, Andy, is our economy is suffering its first ever recession in nearly three Decades, as the nation grapples with the impact of the coronavirus pandemic and, of course, the summer's bushfires, the country's economy shrank 0.3% in the first three months of the year from the previous quarter. And like all shrinkage, that's very embarrassing. So as I've always said, Andy, it's not the size of the economy that matters, it's how you use it. And I've also said that about my tiny, tiny penis. Now... I'm not too worried because we have a wonderful conservative government here who is dedicated to getting us out of the COVID crisis with a business-led economic recovery, which is one of those phrases that just makes you feel good, like (laughs) flexible work hours or open mic night. I suppose... It'll be refreshing to have a business-led recovery after having so many business-led recessions. So I, for one, look forward to seeing Australian (laughs) tourism ads with Australia, brought to you by Rio Tinto, and Richard Branson turning every single public library in this country into a private prison for the unemployed. (laughs) Uh, We're planning on using the fossil fuel industry to help get our economy back on track, which I think is genius. What better way to recover from a respiratory illness than by pumping as much poisonous gas into the air as possible? (laughs) you China If Aussies are going to die to, by coughing It's going to be because of our own bloody homegrown dicky die F***ing strayer incompetence Thank you very much uh, You might be worried Andy Because the Bank of yep. England has warned Britain could be headed for its biggest economic slump In more than 300 years It expects GDP to fall by 14% <laughs> over 2020 Which would be the worst recession Since a great frost in 1709 A brutal time when it was so cold Many Brits struggled to continue to do slavery Of course, Britain's second worst economic slump came in 2001 when Andy Zaltzman made his solo comedy debut at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. Economists have since studied the financials of the show's season at the Fringe and marvelled at how Zaltzman's ticket sales and budgetary pressures managed to slide the entire country into simultaneous recession and inflation and deflation. The country managed to bounce back, but Zaltzman would go on to suffer through almost two decades of wage stagnation and was forced to impose brutal austerity on both himself (laughs) and... And his children. Now, uh, obviously, well, I'm worried. I mean, you know, I'm only 30 years old, so this is the first ever recession that I've lived through. You guys have been through recessions uh, in your own failed states in the US and UK. <laughs> any any tips to me at all? How do you how do you get through a recession, Andy? What do I do? Harry? Well,
0: can I just pick you up on that last bit? That um, yeah. uh, we try to avoid facts on the show as much <laughs> as possible. So can you just don't bring shit like that on the show again? Sorry, man. Um, <laughs> I mean, that was. I mean, to be honest, way too close to the truth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, well, I mean, the, the great thing—you say it's the worst ever recession, but you know, worst. I mean, it's the big, biggest ever. Big, biggest, big is good, isn't it? That's what we—that's what we. Lo- and the thing is, the great thing with having a massive recession, we saw this after the, the 2008 financial crisis, is that you can then. Manipulate the growth figures so you say, like, "Ah, we are the fastest growing economy in Europe." Yep, yeah, that's only just because you f- the economy into. A- we are the fastest growing economy <laughs> in Euro- fastest growing, fastest growing. F- 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 you. On the subject of Australia, we currently have a wonderful bugle intern, Ross, who has concocted a musical masterpiece about Australia for all future generations to enjoy. Starting with you listening now. Uh, who are more of a current generation, admittedly, but of course you used to be a future generation. I'll never forget where you've come from. Unleash Ross, Australia. 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 Australia.
2: We inherit all our arguments from Britain, Andy. Monday. Australia. Captain, Cook. Australia.
0: Captain Cook. Australia. Captain, Captain Cook. Cook. Australia. Captain 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 Cook, Australia.
2: What a c-ty c face who fully sucks like an absolute dog. C-t. Australia. Captain Cook, Australia. Dog. Captain Cook, Australia. Captain, Captain Cook.
0: Cook. Who uh, spent a week or so in Australia, and then f-ed off to look for somewhere else. Australia. We all hate Mondays. Australia. Captain
2: <laughs> Cook, Australia. We all Captain hate Mondays. <laughs> Captain Cook, Australia. Captain Cook. We all hate Mondays. 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 We all hate Mondays. We all hate Mondays, or Mondays. Mondays. We all hate Mondays. Captain Cook.
0: Finally, this week, archive time. Remember when the prospect of an American president being re elected wasn't enough to make you run for the Book of Revelations to rifle through the pages, muttering, for fuck's sake, if not now, then when? Well, to help jog your memory, here's the year 2012.
3: Top story this week, US presidential election 2012. Vote or sigh! Andy, I think that the US presidential election season is actually the perfect way for you to transition from (laughs) your addiction to the Olympics, because they actually have a lot in common those two two events, think about it. The whole thing happens every four years. It's two people racing each other. After going round and round in circles, one will eventually be declared the winner. It's incredibly expensive to put on, and there's just as much corporate involvement that slightly soils the whole event. <laughs> it's perfect, Dandy. It's like a nicotine patch for a debilitating sports addiction. <laughs> and there was a big development this week. Mitt Romney finally picked his running mate, and he went with Wisconsin congressman... Paul Ryan, a move which seemed to energise the base of the Republican Party, who love to be energised by Conservative picks around this time of year. Now, some people might say, why the hoopla? It's only the vice president. Why is everyone getting excited over a largely ceremonial role? Well, because that is simply no longer the case. You are thinking with a pre-year 2000 mentality. (laughs) Because it was around that time that Dick Cheney managed to successfully change his job description into something significantly more powerful than the job he signed up for. With Cheney, the Republicans seem to unlock their ideal formula for a presidential ticket, a sinister puppet master pulling the strings of a happy-go-lucky wooden boy. (laughs) The the aim for the Republicans at the start of any search for a presidential candidate is now to find a nominee who's essentially an empty, amiable husk, just palatable (laughs) enough to disguise the poisonous substance of their running mates. (laughs) think Think about the track record. Bush, Cheney, McCain, Palin, and now Romney, Ryan. Because Paul Ryan might look like an average, Midwestern, good-looking man who was walking down the street when a Brooks Brothers store exploded all over him. (laughs) But but he wants to end Medicare, has spent the last few years driving John Boehner, the Speaker of the House here, into almost unprecedented levels of obstructionism. Now, you might think, why don't Republicans just nominate the person they actually want in the first place? Why didn't they just nominate Paul Ryan if they like him so much? Well, because they know... You cannot shoot pure heroin, Andy. It will f***ing kill you. You have to cut it with baking soda, and that is what they've done here.
0: Well, yes, I mean, it seems like many Republicans, too, love the concept of women having all the possible babies that they may or may not want, and of poor people mm. retaining the God-given right to die untreated in the maximum amount of pain. Um, so I guess you uh, see he's appealing clearly to the Republican Republican heartlands.
3: That's right, Andy, but what you're selling is not something that you can appeal to people with on the top half of your ticket. So that's why this system they found works. It's <laughs> like when you give a dog a pill for worms. It's never going to eat that pill on its own. The pill is clearly disgusting. So you hide that pill in a bowl of cottage cheese. And if the Republicans have their way, Andy, come November, America is going to have cottage cheese all over its face and not realise what it's just eaten. <laughs> <laughs> The concept is nothing new. Look at the ancient Greeks. They invented democracy. And when they sacked the city of Troy, they didn't just show up with a bunch of crazy Greeks. They put a bunch of crazy Greeks inside an empty wooden horse. (laughs) What I'm saying is Romney is that empty wooden horse and Paul Ryan is a bunch of crazy Greeks. (laughs) I don't remember that, that horse being quite as much of a dick, though. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's, we sp- that is the one flaw in that metaphor, Andy. But that is a—that's a fair point. As like the Trojans would have said, "Let's get rid of this fucking <laughs> horse. <laughs> this horse is an arsehole <laughs> Also, it's this horse does around not. around in a ludicrous way. <laughs> this horse- stupid classical music. This horse does not pay enough taxes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's all for this week's sub bugle. You have heard from Tiff Stevenson, James Nikise, Helen Zlatman, Alice Fraser. Ross the Intern, Nish Kumar, NATO Green, Hari Kondabolu, Tom Ballard and Juan Oliveira. Time for me to return once again to commune with the comfortingly twistable truths of cricket statistics and to recommend you listen to producer Chris's new series of his Travel Hacker podcast, available at all good podcast shops, about which he will now tell you everything. Chris, wake up. This is your moment. Until next week, Buglers.
4: Goodbye. Thanks, Andy. And hello buglers. So, as some of you might know, I make a program with uh one of the true greats of podcasting, a man called Richie Firth, who believes he can get from A to B better than anybody else. Now, you might have noticed that travelling around has become increasingly difficult uh over the uh, last three, four months. Something's going on, not quite sure. Uh, should probably find out a little bit more about that. So we have decided to uh, basically reinvent our show, which is now called Fantasy Travel Hacker, where basically Rich and I get suggestions from members of the global public about ways in which we might make their journeys better. It could be a better way to get to the shops. It could be a better way to go over a waterfall. It could be a better way to traverse between two countries without getting any kind of visa. So please do listen. It's Richie Firth, Travel Hacker in all good stores. And I'm going to play you a completely out of context clip, which may or may not work in this environment. Uh, Goodbye. You know I love you all. Except you.
0: Well, two hacks down in the first episode of series two of Richie Firth, Travel Hacker. Two hacks down, two hacks done. It's going well. Time for a new feature to season two. Oh, yes, it's a celebrity hack. Celebrity hack, celebrity hack, do, do, celebrity hack, celebrity hack, do, do, celebrity hack, celebrity hack, celebrity hack. Celebrity hack. Could you add some reverb and a jazzy bits to that, please? Sure. Celebrity brauch, hack, celebrity hack, do do celebrity hack, do celebrity hack, do do celebrity hack, celebrity hack,
4: Rich, rich, wake up. Right, it's time
0: for our first ever celebrity hack. It is comedian and podcaster Alice Fraser who brings it to us tonight. Hello, Alice, what's your hack?
2: Hi there, travel hackers. Popular entertainer Alice Fraser here with a request for Richie and Chris. Hi, Richie and Chris. Please tell me the best way to get from uh, Nottingham Castle to Sherwood Forest. No reason. Just um, met a guy recently...
4: Listen now.